We're trying to conduct a serious scientific investigation. Science, logic, reason. Do you have any hard data? Now, that's what I call science. That's what I call science is proudly recorded in Tasmania at Edge Radio. You're listening to That's What I Call Science, the weekly radio show and podcast that brings independent and interesting STEM, science, technology, engineering and maths content from Tasmania. The show is supported by Edge Radio, Hobart's premium youth station. My name is Kate Johnson and I'm joined by Professor Tim Broadrib from the University of Tasmania. I'd like to start today's episode by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording, the Palawa and Pakana people, as we record on Lutruwita. I'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which you are listening. On behalf of everyone, I pay my respects to Elders past and present. So Tim is joining us today as part of our mini-series highlighting plant science research in Tasmania with a specific focus on a big collaborative research project called the ARC Centre of Excellence for Plant Success in Nature and Agriculture, which I'll refer to as the Centre for Plant Success for short. Tim is a professor in plant physiology at the University of Tasmania and is the leader for Tasmanian research occurring as part of the Centre for Plant Success. Tim was also my primary PhD supervisor, which is arguably, of course, his most important role. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Tim, and thanks for being here. So before we talk about the Centre for Plant Success and why it's so exciting... I'd like to ask you about your journey into plant science. So would you please tell us a little bit about what drew you to this area of science? Oh, thank you, Kate. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I suppose... um, Well, I've always been really interested in biology and um, did a biology degree just because I liked living things. But I think during my biology degree, I, I just became more and more impressed about how clever plants were and how important they are. Um, and I had a I had a fantastic lecturer in third year, um, Bob Hill, who uh, told us all about the evolutionary history of southeastern Australia and the fossil uh, evidence of mass extinctions and things. And yeah, I guess I just really loved that that aspect of um, evolutionary biology and and the sort of combination of how plants worked and how they've changed through history. And yeah, I guess I just moved through that and, and became captivated with that. Um, through my undergrad and moved on to honours and PhD and here we are today. (laughs) (laughs) And um, a big focus of your research now is plant physiology. So what drew you specifically to the area of plant physiology? Well, as you well know, (laughs) we work on on water water relations, so how plants um, manage water and transport water and... um, and their their uh, their sort of strategies uh, to surviving in in dry places. So, yeah, it's it's quite a new um, aspect of of biology, I suppose, because uh, yeah, everything seems to revolve around um, the acquisition of water and and moving water through plants, because um, it's the one most difficult thing to move from where plants evolved in the water uh, onto land is is this shortage of water. Um, and so we found, yeah, that every, everything, kind of survival and production and everything seems to be linked very closely back to how plants manage and transport water. So that's what, that's what we work on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yep, and I'm not biased at all, and I also think it's very, <laughs> very fascinating and important. So throughout your career, I know you've done lots of exciting things. You've been lots of um, really cool places. Could you maybe just tell us about a few sort of highlights, places you've been or research projects you've done that have been super interesting, but, yeah, are highlights for you? Yes, well, I've had lots of highlights, I think. Um, I get my, my PhD was on... Um, conifers in the southern hemisphere so I don't know I've, I had to do work in wild places you know places that have it wasn't it was nothing about cultivated plants it's always been about wild plants and so yeah I've just been all around the world looking at um this wonderful wild places I suppose oh, the, my favorite places I think will probably be New Caledonia which is like an incredible museum of of what Australia used to look like 40 million years ago. Um, and that's, yeah, f f uh, fantastic conifer rainforests over there. Um, and probably the other place that I've had a lot of pleasant research experiences is in um, Costa Rica where I lived for a few years. And that, yeah, that was a, that was just an extraordinary place, like a coming from, from a land where everything's evergreen and, and, when trees drop their leaves, it's a sign of death. Or over in Costa Rica, there are tropical forests there where the entire forest loses its leaves in the dry season. So, you know, we were looking into why that happened and how that happened and, and um, you know, measuring photosynthesis while monkeys are throwing sticks at you and <laughs> jaguars are tracking you down through the forest is quite, quite different to the... Uh, comfort of working on Mount Field and um, trying to keep your feet dry so yeah no it's it's it, it's just been fantastic there are there are so many wonderful places uh, where forests grow in the, in the world and, and to be forced to look at those is uh, has yeah given us a, given me a fantastic opportunity to, to look at the lovely places in the world yeah, it's, it's so cool, the amazing places that plant science can take you. It's not just sitting in a lab poking plants, <laughs> running around the field having animals throw stuff at you when you're trying to take measurements. That's very cool. Um, so stick with us for part two to hear from Tim about the Centre for Plant Success, what it is, why it's so exciting and broadly what it aims to do. You're listening to That's What I Call Science, and today we're talking to Professor Tim Brodrib from the School of Natural Sciences at UTAS about his research and the Centre for Plant Success. So Tim, could you give us a brief overview of what the Centre for Plant Success is broadly and just broadly what it aims to achieve? I can. Um, plant success. Well, uh, so the, the fundamental question that we are aiming to deal with is well, the challenge, I suppose, is that um, uh, crop production has to go up uh, faster than it ever has before in order to keep people fed. Um, and it's failing at the moment pretty miserably. So something rather drastic has to happen uh, in order for us to feed the world population. Um, so that was kind of the basis of that, you know, that's the important question that we <laughs> are struggling with. Um, and the, 
the way we want to go about it is to try and learn from uh, the way plants have evolved in natural environments. Um, and so that seems like a really cool way of, of uh, approaching the, the problem. Uh, and it's cool, it's cool from a research perspective as well because it means that we have a, a real mix of people in the centre ranging from you know, people who work on crops and geneticists and developmental physiologists and, um, and phylogeneticists, but we're also including people who have worked work in natural systems. Um, so we're, you know, we're learning from how evolution works and that means we have to go out and measure you know, eucalypts and why eucalypt trees die and why mosses get stressed out in summer and you know, how, how liverworts work. And, and so it's really, it's a great combination of, of um, skills and, and, and interests, um, all focused down on, on this really key question about uh, you know, how are we gonna make plants function better um, in the future and save, our, save ourselves from starvation. <laughs> very, very important <laughs> problem to be addressing. And just for our, um, just for people listening who might not really know much about how scientific research kind of gets funded, um, could you maybe just tell us a little bit about how that usually works and how the centre is different, how it provides, you know, sort of different opportunities to, um, I guess I'm getting at the fact that it's a longer term funding project and how does that allow you to address these big questions as compared to the usual sort of terms of scientific funding? Yeah, um, so, so normally what happens is that we have, um, well the, the federally funded system which is designed to fund blue sky research, so that's the stuff that's trying to discover big new things. Um, that's usually a three year cycle, they're called discovery grants um, and they go to a small group of people. Um, and they're quite hard to get, but then there is another uh, much bigger uh, scheme that runs, and the aim is to is to bring together a larger group addressing a larger problem, a problem that is of a scale that's not going to be achievable by a small group of people. Um, and so, the the quantum of funding is much bigger. Um, so I think that our centre is about 40 million dollars so that's uh, several uh, magnitude orders of magnitude larger than, a, than a, um, a normal grant but it includes a group of CIs that's much bigger so there's about 17 of us there is exactly 17 of us um, and the idea is that this will run for a longer period so it's supposed to run for um, seven years which is sort of unheard of in, in normal granting cycles and it means that you can kind of focus more on the on the research than on the the, the uh, desperate uh, <laughs> efforts to try and get money to, to roll over for the next three years so so yeah it's a it's a really great system um, and and it's a there are similar systems in other countries as well it's a it's sort of the premium um, grant that you can that you can get in in um, uh, in science and um, yeah it's designed for, for for big problems and big groups and it also in it's designed to really sort of push a legacy of the program so it's it's about not only creating um, scientific legacy but also to, to try and um, create a, a center that has um, that, that 
pushes the the boundaries of of um, you know out outreach and and intercultural integration and and um, all these these other aspects of science that um, are not really that you know you don't have the scope for in these smaller grants. So so that's a big part of the of the, of the centre as well. Um, so it's yeah it's all very exciting. It's very exciting to have that, that time and scope to address this really important question from lots and lots of different angles. So there are lots of different angles. It's not just um, plant physiology, the thing that, that we do that um, is the focus of the centre. So what, what other sort of specialties do the CIs and the, the people in the centre have? What sort of um, fields of science are you trying to bring together to answer this big question of how to feed the world? Um, well, yeah, there's a, there's a huge diversity actually, um, and and sitting in the meetings for what, when we were sort of putting together this grant, the first problem was that no one really understood each other because we had all these disciplines that were uh, working in isolation, and and we didn't even understand the language that we were talking to each other, um, and that so yeah, we've we've got uh, mathematicians, um, we've got people involved in genetic engineering. Um, people involved in plant breeding, in um, plant genetics, uh, developmental plant physiology. Um, it, there's just a you know a, a huge range, and, and you know my I suppose my uh, my interest is in in water relations, and we've got other people who are in, uh, who have who bring in the the sort of plant diversity even further, um, plant ecology. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's a it's a massive diversity of, of interests, and and you know the first challenge is really the is that we can all try and understand each other, and we've we've you know been establishing these these workshops and and um, virtual lab meetings where we can we, we've gradually started to to understand what each of us are talking about and how you know how to make it all how to integrate it together, um, in a in a whole. So yeah, that's a it's a big challenge, but it's it's a Really exciting one. Yeah, definitely. And as a team, you know, that's a that's a challenge that we um, were sort of we came together to try and address was the fact that science is really exciting. We all know it's really exciting, but it's often written, talked about, or just in general communicated in a way that's not accessible to the average person. And those those questions about how to address those communication barriers go beyond the centre you know they go um, into communicating between fields to achieve anything so what sort of things have you done to try and to try and bridge those barriers or what sort of things are you trying to do when, when you say a word and someone says I don't know what that means like where do you go from there yeah well I guess you know we've, we've sort of had to we've had to write rules of communication you know within the centre because uh, anytime someone uses an acronym you're immediately lost if you're sitting there talking away and someone or, or someone refers to a gene and they understand what the gene is you know SNRK4 or something and <laughs> that whole talk might be about SNRK4 but if at the very start you don't know what on earth SNRK4 is you're just lost so we've we've really tried to um, allow people to ask ignorant questions because you're, you're always going to be ignorant of other people's expertise um, when you, when you're, uh, when you're not deep in that subject, so so yeah, I mean I think uh, a real, we were encouraging people to ask, not silly questions but ignorant questions, um, in order to try and to try and 
you know, allow everybody to, to, to get involved in each other's discipline in a way that you can actually understand how you can contribute to it. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's what we, that's sort of within the scientific group, but of course the, the outreach is a, is a much more complicated problem um, that we're trying to deal with as well. I think that's a really great strategy, that no question is a bad question and one that, you know, we can take, take more broadly. Just let people ask and answer without using your discipline-specific language um, so that everyone can understand. It's a good strategy for science communication and we are going to talk about outreach in a minute. So stay with us for the final section to hear about Outreach to the Centre and Tim's advice to people considering studying or a career in plant science. You're listening to That's What I Call Science. My name's Kate Johnson, and we're joined by Professor Tim Broadrib from the University of Tasmania and the Centre for Plant Success. And now we're going to be talking a little bit about outreach. So, Tim, what sorts of ways will people in the Centre for Plant Success be engaging with and um, involving the Centre in the broader community? What sort of ways do you know um, that the Centre's going to engage with the community? So there's a... We've got a, a, a um, specific outreach officer, um, and uh, the aim is is to try and you know obviously this is a really a really important part of, of um, the centre is convincing people of to how important it is and how interesting what we're doing is, um, and one of the key parts of the outreach is is the um, uh, Stephanie Alexander Kitchen Garden and we've become uh, integrated into that that. Um, scheme there which which I think is a you know that that's the sort of people we should be targeting is is little kids or young uh, young people um, because yeah I mean I think that the, I think the problem is that a lot of people don't think so much about plants really being alive you know or, or important or potentially interesting and it's much it's much easier to convince a, a kid that a you know some silly panda chewing on a bamboo shoot is is important or interesting than it is to convince them that the bamboo shoot's actually more interesting than the panda um so yeah there's a there's a lot of uh, emphasis on on um schools and and to try and um uh, engage there but the i mean the thing that that we're doing at the moment is uh trying to develop a a video game <laughs> for um to to get screen interested young people involved in which is where you what do you do you evolve a plant so you've got this plant that has to has to has to um overcome these challenges and you it's sort of a strategy game it's called plant wars so yeah i mean that's that's another um piece of outreach there's a there's a whole uh, i was looking at the the list of things that we're planning to do it's 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 very extensive and (laughs) i'll It'll be, it'll be amazing if we can achieve all the things that we've um, we've planned. But Emma Horswell's the the outreach officer, and she's you know a very artistic person and 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 is very passionate about it. So I think it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll, there'll be some very exciting things happening over the next seven years. Prepare to be engaged. <laughs> it sounds great, and we actually. Um Lucille and I went and talked to some students who were part of the Stephanie Alexander Kitchen Garden 
thing at Moona Primary and we were really surprised by how aware they were of plants and that they were alive and how important it was to um, understand them and to grow your own food and they they cooked with the food that they grew at their school. It was really interesting. So it would be, be really cool to see how um, they engage with those messages about feeding the world and mm. understanding that plants are living. Cause I, yeah, that's really cool. Um, so you've covered some of these points already, but I just wanted to ask what some of the key messages you feel it's important for people to understand about plants. So you said that plants are, are living and that, you know, obviously we there's this big problem of needing to feed the world. They'd be some key messages. But are there any others that you feel like the outreach should be really getting across? Are there things that you think the general community should understand about plants? Yeah, I mean... <sighs> Well, plants are sensitive, I suppose, is probably something that <laughs> people need to understand. Um, um, yeah, they're, they're, because they're such clever, um, beautifully evolved organisms, they're also, they're also in their efficiency that makes them very sensitive as well. Um, and, I, and I think people don't quite appreciate Firstly, how everything hangs off plants, everything that we do, everything we eat, everything on earth is built by plants. Um, and if you understand that and then you understand that they're also quite sensitive, then you realise that we do have, there is potential to do quite a lot of harm, mm. um, either knowingly or unknowingly. And, and I think that's something that, you know, you don't want to frighten people that's a that's a always a problem of, of being a doomsday merchant but um, you, people need to understand that there are things that that plants don't like um, and that we have the capacity to change the world in a way that plants aren't going to like and that we should probably understand what we're doing and, and understand what the limits that plant sensitivities can can um, cope with that's probably an important message I <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably very key and sums up something that, you know, we aim to do every plant scientist through our research. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point, Tim. Um, so in your capacity, not only as a, a researcher as part of the centre and a very successful researcher, but also as a supervisor and a lecturer, what advice would you have for someone who's considering studying or even pursuing a research career in plant science? Um... I would say, well, of course, I, I would always very strongly encourage people to, to study plants because, as I just said, you know, they, are, they do underpin everything. Um, so it's probably something we should understand well. Um, but I think, um, I think an, important, uh, an important part of succeeding in, in science, uh, plant science or any, any science, particularly if you're interested in, in research, is... Um, is a passion for the for the, for the research and a, a, a drive to understand um, how things work um, and to to make a difference, I suppose, in in, um, in your chosen field. So yeah, I mean, I think that's a that that's a really key um, a, a key trait that you should be that you need because you it's it's really great fun. I mean, it's it's an incredible career. Um, uh, and, and I can't imagine any, I don't know anyone who's had as much fun in their career as, as I do. Maybe a professional surfer, although I just don't think so. <laughs> they don't seem like they're having fun when they're interviewed. But um, uh, 
Yeah, so it's a, it's an incredible um, career, but it does require, you know, it requires passion and and um, and to succeed, you know, you 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 need to you need to work pretty hard. It, it's it's uh, it doesn't come very easily. Um, so that passion is the thing that 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 brings you will bring you through and and um, yeah, open doorway to a, a fantastic career, I think. I'm sure you'd agree, Kate. I do agree. Yeah, absolutely. I've had a lot of fun so far in my very early career as a, as a plant scientist. And thank you so much for coming on the show, Tim, and talking to us. I'd like to thank today's guest, Professor Tim Brodrib, for being on the show, and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find all our previous episodes via our website at thatscience.org and you can follow us on social media by searching That Science Taz on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Thank you for listening. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. You've been listening to That's What I Call Science, brought to your station and across the nation via the Community Radio Network. You can find That's What I Call Science on all major podcast streaming services and social media platforms. Like and subscribe for on-demand science updates from the team. That's What I Call Science is proudly recorded in Tasmania at Edge Radio. Head to edgeradio.org.au for more information on how you can support community radio. Gemmaker are a proud sponsor of That's What I Call Science. Gemmaker provide expert advice, services and training to commercialise new knowledge and technologies. Go to gemmaker.com.au for more information. At That's What I Call Science, we love bringing engaging content to all sorts of audiences, and this includes youth. So if you're a teacher at a local school here in Tasmania and have students interested in science, technology, engineering, maths or medicine topics, then let us know and we can come into your school and get them on the radio talking about their favourite exciting scientific ideas. That's What I Call Science brings you awesome science content from the small island of Tasmania. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. Like and subscribe to get the updates when new content is available. Want to know more about science, technology, engineering, maths and medicine? Then tune in to Edge Radio on 5pm on Sundays to hear That's What I Call Science. You can also find us on all of your favourite podcast streaming services. Be sure to like and subscribe us on any of our socials.